Hi everyone, Coach Anthony here. And Coach Peter. And uh, we are back for the, the May edition of the Outpace Coaching Podcast. May uh, already. Yes, and it's finally feeling a little warmer. There's some sunshine. We've swam like three days in a row now. Yeah, the water tent doesn't feel no. like May. But <laughs> I mean, like driving home this morning, I had full heat on. It's like yeah. uncomfortably cold. By, by like noon, I'm finally warm. With yeah. the, I, I'm like inside with my hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> I just, but uh, anyways. It'll, it's, it'll get there. Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, so... This month, uh, not a, not a ton of updates in regards to racing and just outpace in general. Um, but you know we're uh, you know we're looking forward and 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 hopefully by the end of the summer there'll be some stuff that we can yeah. participate in. I know Peter did his own Chattanooga seventy point three because the team was going to go do that and, yeah. and how'd that go and and was it worth it and yeah um yeah it was good I mean you know I it, it was unfortunate I think we were all looking forward to going down there I I've never been to Chattanooga so you know it was, I was pumped for that and it looked like a cool race but you know again the the topic of last week is there's nothing you could do about it it's out of your control so. Yeah, it was interesting. So I did the swim in, in Cedar Lake. Um, I just started as, you know, right at like sunup. Um, you know, the water didn't feel as cold then. But I think maybe my adrenaline was rushing because it was bit a race. quote unquote a race. <laughs> gonna call it that. Um, but it was funny because I found out after that apparently Cedar has like toxic algae bloom yeah. um so but i i didn't puke on the bike so <laughs> i think i'm okay uh, but no yeah the the swim was good um i don't know if you've noticed this but like it's it's interesting with the swim because obviously most of us haven't you know took like a month and a half off with the swimming and like the fitness is still there which is great um you know which i just think alludes to the fact that you can maintain your swim fitness um through time off but I'm just having a hard time pacing, you know, like I've, I've swam for a while outside as you have, and there's, you know, it seems like I have this median pace that I just fall to and whether I think I'm going slower or faster, it always falls in. So that was kind of the one struggle with the swim, but you know, I, I didn't care too much about the swim anyway. And then the bike was interesting because I did it on the trainer and you actually showed me that in, in best bike split, you can lay out the course you want to do. So on the phone, we laid out Chattanooga 70.3, put all my information on there. And then it actually takes the course profile and splits the elevation profile up to like, you know, I think it was like 200 different intervals. Yeah, yeah. And then you could take that file and plug it into Zwift. And Zwift actually ran me through every single interval you know, based off of my goal time and my FTP. Yeah, yeah. Which was really weird. I mean, you know, and then so I have to say like, I was kind of cursing your name during it because <laughs> it was the hardest bike effort I've ever done for that period of time, you know, so I was well into the, the 200s, which for me, wattage wise is like, is challenging, you know, I can't do that with ease. Um, and I, to be honest, I was pretty nervous, you know, like I was sweating, I was tired, my legs felt sore, um, but it went through, it went well, and then did the run outside. Um, I was going to try and see if I could reenact a course with the same elevation oh, profile yeah, that's, that's but tough. the problem is is that i'm stopping for cars like every mile and i just it didn't work so i just did the greenway and the lakes um it was kind of fun my dad like came on his bike and was like my crew you know so it's like handing me gels as i'm running yeah that's great um and no yeah it was really good um and then i think you know the question is it worth it it like it's funny because i think in the low parts of the day 
I absolutely told myself it wasn't worth it. You know, like you, you have the ebbs and flows, oh, the ups yeah, and downs. Yeah. And like on the bike, there was multiple times where I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? You know, like there's no one's watching here. This isn't for a, a race or a qualification spot. Um, but I think in hindsight, you know, now that I've done it and everything, like I think it was definitely worth it. Um, yeah, I mean, I you're sore and it's a little anticlimactic. Like I finished, I was really happy with my run and bike you know, kind of high five my dad. And then I just went up to my apartment by myself <laughs> and I was wrecked, you know, like, <laughs> but like it's the alternative was just, Oh, I'm just not going to do anything. And then I'd feel even worse. You know, then I feel like indignant cause I was robbed of this race I was supposed to do and how annoying this, co- you know? So at least I feel like I did a race for myself yeah. and like was able to test my fitness. Um, you know, so I think for me, it was interesting after last week's discussion, I think it validated that personally, it's still worth doing, you yeah. know, because like if you're doing it for the right reasons, that's why you're doing it. You're doing it to see if every single morning run and stretching session was worth it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. it, it was, I had a good time with it. Yeah. Avoided and, the rain. So. And there's something to say about racing yourself and in, into fit, being fit, you know, and, and just, uh, you know, if anything, you got a bump, a jump in fitness, a bump in fitness, and, yeah. and are able to yeah. recover and bounce back, and um, hopefully, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. That uh, I, I think a lot of people to be able to endure it all on your own, like yeah. that's luckily you had your dad for that last last part, and the Zwift helps with training, oh, yeah. I guess you know, but no easing up. No. Um, yeah, so that's great. And then uh, you know, for yeah, what do we have yeah. uh, coming up? Yeah, next week um, we have the the first annual. <laughs> for if you want to call first it and only annual, man, I don't know. <laughs> one and done, one and done. Uh, virtual triathlon week is what we're calling it, and um, it's actually open to anyone that would want to jump in and, and join. Uh, there's a registration link that we can include in on the show notes. Yeah, maybe we should walk through what yeah what it is, what the two distances are. Yeah, so there's there's two different options. Um, there's a shorter option and a longer option, and the idea is within a seven day period. So starting May 25th through May 31st, you have seven days to complete all six segments of whichever distance through option. May 30th. Right, like through the su- through Sunday. Yeah, through Sunday. You can't use the following. Yeah, Monday. through yeah. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so the shorter option um, throughout that seven day period, you have to do two five hundred meter swims, two five mile bike rides. I think and two five k runs. Is it meter or yard? Meter. Oh, it is meter. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, meter. Okay, meter. Yep. And then the longer distance is just double those. Double those. So two thousand meter swims two 10-mile rides, and then two 10K um, runs. Good thing I asked. Yeah. And so, again, however you space them, however you do them throughout that week, that's up to each athlete, and there's a little bit of strategy behind what works best for you and whatnot. How to Um, recover and all that, yeah. And uh, what's kind of exciting is that within the results – each every single time somebody completes a segment, they'll you know if they're part of Outpace, I'll look on Training Peaks and see what they did. Or if they're not, they'll send me a screenshot of their Garmin or their Strava, and I'll input that information into the results sheet. Mm-hmm. So that throughout the week, 
depending on the order that you complete them, you'll be able to see what your competition did in maybe a 5K that maybe you're doing tomorrow. Yeah. So you could be like, okay, I need to run this much faster or whatever that might be. So And it should be said that this has four Kona slots. Yeah, four. Yep, yep. <laughs> we got the approval yeah. from Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So, so jump in now before it's too late. So you can go to February Kona, which is, that's weird. Yeah. In February now. Yeah, so, so that's starting next week. Um, if you are interested, you can either reach out to, to me or Peter or, again, we'll include that registration link, link. Um, within the show notes. And you have to fill that out so that I get your email and then I'll send you more information in regards to how to how to do it. Yeah, I think it's more, more of the same of what we talked about and even better here, right? Like if you just do a race by yourself, it's just solo, but at least this has a team environment here um, and you can kind of compete against others and it should be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And there, it should be mentioned that, you know, again, this is within the, the details of the, uh, of that email that I would send if you register for the race, uh, for the bike, definitely outside bike and run outside. Um, optimally all three, I mean, in most cases you'd have to swim outside, but for the courses on the bike and the run, making sure that it's not a net downhill you know, trying to do an out and back course, especially yeah. on the bike. If it is windy, like don't just go with a 30 mile an hour tailwind like, yeah, downhill. Yeah. Try to make it a little bit more, um, fair across the board so that when we do compare the results, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's not just, just, just disparities there. So, yep. So yeah, jump in, join it. It should be fun. Um, but yeah, is there anything else this coming up this next month or I don't think so. That'll, uh, we'll do that one first and see how it goes. Maybe more to come. Yeah. Now for your monthly minute where we offer you a training and racing tip. This month's topic is developing a foundation of overall health and well-being in order to reach your full potential in athletics and life. So how do you do this? Some areas of focus are nutrition, focus on eating whole foods and limit processed sugars and carbs unless during high intensity training, sleep, try to strive for eight hours or more, especially for athletes, recovery, doing your daily stretching, mobility, maintain the health of your fascial tissue, and stress management. And you can do meditation, whatever that might be to get you out of that sympathetic or that fight or flight mechanism and get into that parasympathetic, that rest and digest. That concludes your monthly minute. Now for the main topic of the month's podcast, which is all about the bike portion of triathlon. All right, so this month's topic is all about the bike portion of the triathlon. Um, you know, we kind of went out of order here. Typically, it's swim, bike, run. Um, but, you know, we thought that it was relevant to lead with the bike just because, you know, the bike is such a significant portion of a triathlon event. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we both put such a huge um, emphasis on it from a training perspective. You know, really just to double down on that. So I did look up quickly just the different distances um, of tries and actually how significant the bike is. So for example, um, we'll start with sprint. So a sprint triathlon and um, the total distance is 15.96 miles. The biking portion of that is 12.4 miles. Um, so that's 77.7% of the race you spend on a bike. Olympic has the same percentage. Um, so an Olympic distance triathlon is 31.93 miles. 
the bike is 24.8 miles and again you spend almost 78% of your time on the bike. If we move up to a half Ironman, 70.3 miles is the distance and the biking is 56 miles. That's actually 79.7%. So huge percentage. Four fifths. Four yeah. fifths of the of the event is on the bike. And trust me, I never thought about it this way until I actually looked up these numbers. I always thought it was like, oh, it's about 60%, which shows you my mental math. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's significant, 80%. Yeah. And then the same thing with the full. Obviously, it's just doubled. So the full is 140.6 miles, and you spend 112 miles of that biking. Um, mm-hmm. Again, 79.7%. Um, so... Probably sounds a little repetitive, but you know, again, I just wanted to double down that yeah. the the biking is by far the longest portion of the event. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, I I asked to to lead with the bike as a topic just because this is something that I'm just coming to realize myself. I've always been in denial because to me, the run is the sexy event. You know, like last summer, I wasn't looking forward to the long ride. I was looking forward to the long run. You know, that was like what I wanted to do and map out my route and everything. But, you know, I, I think I paid for that at events. Um, and I think that if, you know, obviously with anything, there are exceptions. Yeah. If, if an athlete's coming on and they're, you know, a 10 year competitive cyclist and they've never swam and run before. Yeah. Okay. You, they might have a different yeah, approach yeah. to it, but I, I would assume you can attest to your, your standard age group athlete their time is best spent prioritizing the bike, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the for sure, depending on the distance and then just how, what level of competition they want to be at yeah. as well. Like if they're, if they're looking to, you know, qualify for Kona and they're swimming three minutes per hundred, like, of course, that's going to be an area of focus. You need to finish the swim. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, hands down, like, when it comes to just the percentages between the bike and the run and even, you know, more so the bike, as Peter alluded to, like, it's it's just such a huge component of a triathlon that if you are weak on the cycling portion, no matter how strong a runner you are, you, will, you won't be able to... take a hit. Yeah, you won't be able to come off and, and run to your full potential. So, I mean, there there's a balance, and of course, you know... It, based on the individual and their 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 goals and their um their experience in the past if they were a runner or whatever that might be yeah um but yeah i mean it's 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 kind of interesting to, to calculate those out and see, see i would argue they... i would argue that if you took your again i'm generalizing here but your average age group athlete who's looking to qualify for kona maybe their average high end they're they're you know and they are just kind of middle of the line. They do each event pretty well. You know, they don't have a standout one versus the other. You could gain two, three, four times the amount of time with the same effort on the bike as you would put in either in the pool, in the yeah. lake, or running. Yeah. I mean, two, three, four. Shaving 10 minutes off your run is probably equatable to 40 minutes off your bike with the same effort i mean 10 minutes off your run is significant yeah and the pool and the swim even more like i mean yeah if you're yeah you might swim and we were talking about that before you know in regards to how much time amateur athletes spend swimming in a week you know some people four or five days a week at the pool at 5 a.m yeah and And then you have to look at what is that taking away from not only in the train side of things, but also their sleep, the recovery, yeah. 
you know, are they, are they losing, you know, an additional hour every single time they go swim, you know, and then because of that, they're unable to perform in that afternoon session and where they're biking. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, again, I'm not taking away from the importance of swimming, but it, it really, I think for most amateurs, you know, the amount of time spent, you're, you're better off for time starved yeah. athletes, right? Yeah. Time, yep. Yeah. Like if you have the luxury of, of having all day long, then that's great. But most don't, most yeah. have a commute and a family and all that other yeah. stuff. So you're right. Like if they're not going to bed till 11 o'clock cause they were up with the kid yeah. and then they wake up at four to go swim four times a week, I, maybe that's not where their priorities yeah. should lie. And, and maybe they make it substantial improvements, but substantial improvements in the swim yeah. is maybe three, four minutes, Exactly. you know, over, you know, and then when you go down in distance, like, you know, it's even smaller, you know, maybe a minute yeah. or two. And then if you were just to spend that time. A sprint is what, a 400 yard? Four or 500, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, so I, yeah, we don't mean to be a dead horse there, but that's why we wanted to choose the bike, um, you know. And, and the fact you can't swim right now. Yeah. Much, <laughs> so yeah. we figured this is more applicable. That's a good point. <laughs> um, you know, so I guess that's a good transition. So just for the fun of it, we kind of did some research and we wanted to show what um, fellow triathletes are capable of on the bike um, and we plan on doing this for the swim and the run section just as a fun thing you know obviously these people are at the highest end of the spectrum but it is cool to see what has been done out there um, so what I looked up was the overall record for the Ironman bike now this is Ironman sanctioned course um, overall it's not just world championship or anything um, and it's it's throughout the world now the the men's kind of has an asterisk on it so Andrew Starkowitz, I think that's how it's yep, pronounced, yeah. from the U.S., he basically holds four of the five top spots, and those are the four of the five official top spots. And then he has one even above number one that has an asterisk next to it, and apparently the backstory there is that 2018 Ironman Texas was supposedly short. I think the course yeah. was something happened where they had to change it. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I mean, so so that year he did a 354.59, um, which equated to about a 28.2 average mile per hour speed and 300 and I didn't have the official numbers on that one, but the upper 320s in wattage, um, you know, so fine. If you want to take that away from him, you got to give him credit because, <laughs> because the top four official ones are two of his, uh, 2017 and 2018, both at Ironman, Texas and Ironman, Florida. So if you try and say Texas doesn't count, he also did the same thing at Florida. Um, and he did have his bike file for the 40119 that he did at Florida. Um, and that one was 27.6 miles per hour and an average wattage of 325 watts. Um, so insane. it's just, it's pretty mind boggling. Um, yeah. I don't think he won. <laughs> I think so. He, yeah. He, he's known for being a super cyclist. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, and, and, uh, he can swim really well. So he, he puts, he puts a dent in the field, yeah. you know, and then, then in most, you know, he comes off with 10 minutes lead, but yeah. When you're running, two, Cam, Cameron Wirth does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you run, I mean, he runs. He's fast. Like he's considered a really slow runner in yeah. the pro field. 
where, 250s, wait, which is not slow at all yeah. in regards to us normal people. Yeah. <laughs> probably running a 630, 640 mile. Oh, yeah. You know, 650 mile. Yeah, he's he's fast. But it's um, not fast enough. Yeah, right? when you're comparing to Patrick Langa or Jan Ferdino or yeah. these people that are just, yeah. you know, they're, they can run really well. Um, which is funny because it almost contradicts what we're talking about, you know. But I think the answer to that is that obviously you can never just focus on one leg you know like the winners have two legs down pat right um and sometimes you're going to get people like him who are kind of an anomaly in one yeah uh, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the race yeah. yeah um so they're all important but we just think the bike is also very yeah. it can you're you're not necessarily going to win the race with the swim but you could definitely lose the race on the bike yeah you know i think that's the best way of putting it and then again looking at the people we're discussing here, they're at the pinnacle of the sport. They're the elite of the elite. So the rules and the things that we're discussing in regards to, you know, the, the bike being more important than the swim yeah. doesn't necessarily apply to them just because they, yeah. they need, you know, for them, like coming out three minutes down on the swim, like you can see it every year in Kona, like the people that are three, four minutes down, like, I don't know if they ever win. You have to be close to that front pack. Yeah. You know, to, to be just in contention because there is a little bit of a draft component, even though you can't draft. The stakes are definitely higher yeah. with these. Yeah, yeah. it's so fair it's, to say. It's, it's, it's much different, but but uh, but yeah. Yeah, and then, then a couple professional female athletes that you looked up to, right? Yeah, yep. So this is another one where there's kind of an asterisk. And I was going through it, and it seems like that's kind of the case. You know, and there's also the situation of like, challengers roth in germany you know it's like all these athletes are like oh it's such a fast course and all these records they don't count it you know like yeah ferdano set this crazy record well into the sevens but iron man doesn't recognize it uh, so i don't know I, I just did our best to pull the actual yeah, data yeah, yeah. off of what there but this says jen annette um she's canadian again iron man texas a lot of the records are there i think it's a super fast course um, she did a 425.10. Now, uh, no offense to Jen, but I think it was, I, the reason I pointed that out is, yes, that's technically the record. But I think the much more impressive thing is less than a minute off of that is Daniela Reef, who I think is probably the most famous women's triathlete name right now. And she did a 426.07, so 53 seconds slower. But she did it in Hawaii at the World Championship. Which is a legit course. Arguably one of the hardest courses, hardest terrains. Um, So, you know, although that's technically the record, I'm going to talk about Daniela. Like, just that's so impressive on that. I mean, she averaged, you know, in a year, 2017, when it was, or what? maybe it was 2018. Either way, I mean, windy, you know, all the classic things you run into. 25.3 miles per hour. Um, and then average 3.9 watts per kg the whole time. I mean, average, you know, like I, I'm happy if I can hit that one. Says like, a, you know, max number and she's averaging it. Yeah, so uh, that's impressive. Obviously, these are the anomalies at the top, but it's just kind of fun to see what, hum, you know, fellow humans in the sport are capable of doing. Yeah. Um, and this is at the highest level. You know, this isn't a sprint. This is for 112 miles. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good transition into... Our main topic of it is, you know, training with power. Um, And, you know, I'll let you maybe talk about some of the just what is power and everything. Um, But, you know, I think we both agree that it's the gold standard. And if you ask us, we would highly recommend having power as the tool. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
I mean, it, yeah, like you said, it's gold standard when it comes to training and, and just improving while, when cycling. Um, you know, it's it's the the best way to think about it is it's like the only metric that you can really gauge your effort without these confounding variables such as wind and yeah, it's fully um, reliable. Yeah, yeah, dehydration. You know, you know, fatigue, you know, fatigue, all yeah. these things. Uh, hill profile, yeah. elevation. Yeah. So it um, just as like a definition. Um, what is power? You know, power is basically the rate at which energy is used. So energy over time, and in this case, it's measured in wattage. Um, yep. So it's the work you're doing. It's yep. like what are you physically putting through your pedals? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So you know, there's a lot of different types of power meters that you can invest in, and what's nice is they are coming down in price. Yeah. Initially, for like an SRM or something like that, you'd spend twenty five hundred to three thousand for a power meter. Yeah, it's amazing reading that training with power book that yeah. you recommended to, like about back in the 80s and 90s when it was first coming out and taught and some of the pro athletes especially when there wasn't as much money and how they were like putting you know like taking a mortgage out on their house to get a power yeah you know, like it was more expensive than the bikes back then yeah yeah it's and and that's that's it's what's nice is that it is more accessible to, to everyone now yeah. um they have you know the main types of power meters are crank based um you know, your hub-based power meter, your pedals, pedal, yep. you know, and you can get something, you know, if it's a, if it's a single-sided pedal meter or a crank arm meter. Um, well, and trainers, too. Yeah, trainers right? like, trainers for, yeah, just training purposes. Power trainers, yeah. smart trainers, yeah. I mean, you can get something that's under 500 bucks where, yeah. you know, five to ten years ago it would have been impossible to, to get something that cheap. Yeah. Um, I think the, like, the number one question that always comes up with athletes in general and just people training and trying to get into biking is like, well, is power worth it? You know, because like, I totally get it. I was in the same boat. There's a million things that you're told you're supposed to buy. It's like, oh, well, how am I supposed to afford this? You know, like yeah. there's personally, like I, I waited a while to do it. I figured I could get along without it. And I regret doing that because like, I think that's the one thing that is truly worth buying mm -hmm. of the optional things, if you will. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, like you said, I mean, there's so there's so much room for error when you use heart rate. I mean, what happens if it was a 25 mile an hour wind out there? You know, like that's not gonna show my true effort um, when you're going into a headwind. Or what happens when there's a hill on a time trial yeah, and it yeah. takes you 10 seconds to adjust to the hill, you know? But like with wattage, it's all real time and you show exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, along those same lines, you know, in regards to that hill or kind of pacing yourself, you know, that's one thing that's great about power and, and a few of the metrics that you should track or kind of look at post-training to kind of see how you're doing. Um, you know, of course, like any type of average power, um, usually what you want to do in that case is have like a three, they have like a three, 10 or 30 second average mm -hmm. that helps smooth the, the intensity out or the wattage out. So you, when you are outside, you know, you're hitting hills, it's not like so variable. Um, the other one is uh, normalized power. Yeah, can you explain that? Yeah, so it's it's basically kind of like a an overall idea of how intense the session was, mm -hmm. um, and it takes into consideration higher intensity efforts. So if you do if you do an hour ride, let's just use an hour ride in a, in an example, um, and you do thirty by ten second intervals all out, and then everything else is relatively easy, easy pedaling. Coasting, yeah, you're 
average watts will be extremely low yeah, because you only did 30 10 second efforts or whatever that might be but your normalized because of those all-out efforts will be much higher so yeah. it gives you a better representation of how intense the session was yeah so it's a great metric to follow and track um when doing you know whether it's intervals or you know sustained efforts for a triathlon you want your average and normalized power as close together mm -hmm. because that means that you paced it well and that's what's considered your variability index, what between your average and normalized. Yeah. And and for that, you want to be as close to 1.01. Cause if you're above that in a triathlon specifically, it means that you surged way too hard on yeah. the hills, you went way too hard. Efficiency, right? Yeah, efficiency. Yeah. And that's and we should we should definitely um, preface all this by saying you can't beat RPE. You yeah. can't beat how you feel. You have to be in tune with how your body's responding to the workload, to the effort, especially in a race. Yeah. But using these metrics help to dial that in. It's the closest you can get yep. to it. If you're, especially if you're a metrics person, like this is as in the weeds detailed as you can get is, yeah. is power. Um, and you know, I, I would argue that the running topic would be much more relevant when you talk about heart rate. Um, and that's not to say you don't use heart rate on the bike. I just think that you will not get the same experience trying to go off of RPE and, and heart rate only than you will if you use a power meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a great investment. Definitely something that if you're interested in taking your cycling to the next level, yeah. um, hands down, probably the best thing you can do. Forget the, forget the, the wheels, yeah. you know, forget the aero helmet, forget the little bit lighter shoes like the power meter is definitely going to make you yeah faster. if you have to pick yeah you know, and it's I, probably sorry it's probably more so along the lines of training yeah. like having a power meter to guide your training appropriately oh absolutely it's it's yeah I'll, I'll say right now i mean from a personal standpoint as much as i love the metrics and all that and, and i'm a huge proponent of power and i like to do the best bike split and figure out my race power I can tell you that a lot of that goes out the window when I'm actually in a race. Sure. I try my best to follow it, but it's not like there's no way I can always have every single yeah. power output in my mind the whole time. Yep, yep. Um, but like if you do it enough, it should just be, it should just come natural. So your power now translates to the RPE that you use during a race. Yeah, yep. yep. Uh, so I was gonna say I think that's a good transition to like a, a trainer versus the outdoor ride, um, and then. You talk about how effective power is, you know, I think it's also relevant with trainers because nowadays you're seeing more and more trainers that have power. Um, so, I, you know, a couple of, of um, benefits of a trainer, I think, are, you know, it's much more focus. You don't have the stops, right? Like you don't have stop and go. It can be more representative of just continued effort. Um, you know, you're continuously putting power on the pedals, uh, you know, and and then I think it's good if we could maybe quickly talk about FTP and yeah. how you use the trainer to be able to calculate that FTP. Um, so can you just speak to like what FTP is and why we actually test for it and why we want to use it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, FTP, um, you know, it's basically an estimation of what you could sustain for a one hour period of time. And there's some controversy behind that. And, yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's, that makes sense because there's a lot of different ways to test for it. Um, but at the same time, what we use it for, you know, as coaches, um, and for our programming is more or less just to kind of give us a baseline of fitness, provide some guidance when it comes to designing the training zones. Yeah. And then, 
of course, for the workouts, having specific wattages to target. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's super helpful from that perspective. Yeah. You can, you literally use this number to make every single bike workout. Yeah. You yep. know, and it's just like your number and you go off percentages of that FTP. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in the forties, obviously it's a recovery session. There's the sweet spot where you're closer to 80 and 90. Um, so yeah, I think it's a valuable tool. How do you, I mean, typically, You'll see eight minutes, two eight two times eight minutes versus twenty minutes. I mean, do you have a take on one versus the other, or yeah? There's there's so many ways that you can test for it, and everybody thinks that their way is the best. Yeah, I guess, and and um, you know the like the 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 book that you you discussed or you mentioned before the. Andrew Coggin, Hunter Allen, the training and racing with power meter. Yeah. Like they, they're more 20 minute and eight minute, two by eight minutes. Yeah. Um, but now there's a lot of like ramp tests Yeah. that every minute you increase by a certain percentage. And then once you, your best one minute power throughout that, they take 75% of that, that number. And then that's your FTP. Oh, I never, I've seen ramp yeah. tests on there, but I never actually seen And that. they say that they're they say that they're pretty accurate for personally I've done them and and I find that it, it under predicts what I would do in a 20 or 8 2 by 8 minutes yeah. but you know again it's just you know you have to stick whatever you are doing consistency consistency that's yep. all that yep. matters yep. here yep. like uh, it's funny talking to people where they're like oh you did 2 by 8 well I, you're supposed to do 20 it's like well I mean I think at the end of the day you're using this number as a personal thing to to guide your training mm-hmm. So unless you're using it as like a true race series where other people are going to be looking at it and everything, like what really matters is, did you do two by eight minutes six weeks ago? All right, then do two eight by eight minutes again. Yeah. Because if you go 20 to two by eight to 20, then you're not actually tracking your progress, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think the consistency is the biggest yeah. point there. I mean, even power meter, power meter, like if you have one power meter that you're using on your bike and then you jump on the trainer, they can... There's variability oh, with that. Totally. So that's like where, 10 percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'll notice on mine sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just consistency, you know, and find what test works best for you. I think one question to ask if you're looking to test is what will you be willing to do every four to six weeks? If yeah. You're not willing to do the twenty minute test Ugh. every four to six weeks. So suck. Don't do the twenty minute <laughs> test. <laughs> yeah. But but that's where the ramp test. I think a lot of people. It's it's literally. Again, from my experience, um, it's probably, you know, three to four minutes of uncomfortable, tough work yeah. compared to 20 minutes or eight, two by eight minutes. So yeah. there's a little bit shorter period of time of effort um, and you still get a, a good number. Well, I think that too is like not to get too much on this, the FTP thing, but that too is like such a huge part of it is like did – if you're going to do two by eight, if you're going to do 20 minutes – can you give a hundred percent of your effort for those two eight minute sessions or that twenty minutes? Because mm-hmm. I think you're doing yourself an injustice if you if you don't right. Yeah. Like you're understating that number. That's going to use everything for your training. So yeah. I think that's important. But so we talked about that one enough, and then I talked about the trainer a little bit. I mean, so what would you say that we talked about that for the trainer? So as far as outdoor riding, what would you say are the benefits of that versus you know? Because I think everyone's like, oh, I have a limited amount of time in this yeah. seven day period. How much time should I spend on the trainer? How much time should I spend outdoors if I'm training for an Ironman? Yeah. And that that probably comes down to personal preference where you live. Like if yeah, you, true. If, you're, if, if it takes you half an hour to get out to roads where you can actually bike without consistent That's stops. That's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
I think there, you know, there's a ton of benefit to riding indoors, and some people do indoor riding almost exclusively for another oh, training. Yeah, yeah. What that lacks is um, just real life, real, uh, you know, you don't have the wind, you don't have the conditions that you would experience. The handling. Tra- the train changes, the handling. You know, they always they always make fun of Lionel for his poor handling. I mean, yeah. he's... He's probably an expert compared to many of us, but he's a trainer yeah, king. Yeah, yeah, he lives on the train. <laughs> yeah, so that's you miss some of that stuff. Um, you know, I think a lot of those. Sorry, but like a lot of the really strong bikers too, like the ones that you talk about that that joke around about handling. You see a lot of it, like with the Germans. You know, like Cameron Werf. They're all ones that are big time outdoor bikers and they're in super technical terrain like you see them biking the mountains you know because it's like what better practice is that yeah that in handling and just real life situations you know forcing yourself to eat and like i think there's a lot of people who who sit on the trainer a lot and it comes time to go outside for a race and they need to grab a bottle in in an aid station and opening it and it just freaks them out because that's so easy to do on a trainer yeah it's like you have uh what are the uh, it's like you have um the why can't i think of what you have your desk set up with all your stuff no like like little kids before they get their wheels off training wheels (laughs) why couldn't i think of training yeah yeah it's like you had the training wheels on the whole time yeah yeah Yeah, it's um yeah i mean it, it it really does come down to your time constraints if you have more time to get out and ride and have great roads to do so on then then i think you know taking advantage of it you can do a lot outside if you have a consistent climb you can do a lot of threshold a lot of sustained work but if you you know again if you're living town you can't yeah. go out and ride for 20 minutes continuous without a stop yeah um, well, one last thing i will say on the other side is it's, i mean we're just on the outdoor topic so there are things, a lot of things, that you cannot mimic outdoor that you get from a trainer. So, like, I think that the best balance is to spend your weekdays, if you can, on the trainer. Uh, like, I don't think either of us would ever say that outdoor only is the best approach. I mean, you just, you can't replicate some of the workouts on, on the trainer outside. Yeah. So, I I think the best answer is that a, a mix of the two is is what's needed. Yep, yep. And then I so I guess that's a good just to keep it. So I think there's a lot of people who maybe who are newer who only have a road bike or only have a tri bike. You know, like if you're getting into it, it's kind of daunting already. What we talked about with all the costs, and then you're like, oh, I'm supposed to buy two bikes. Um, so I guess we should maybe talk about like road bike versus tri bike. You know what do you think are the pros of road bikes and then how do you think those you know because there's a lot of people you'll see at tri events with just using a road bike yeah i mean how does that take away from their experience and their times and everything yeah it um i mean hands down if you're looking for performance if you're looking to be as fast as you can be if you're not looking to go out on group rides if you're not you know, you're not looking to do triathlon for a season and then just want yeah, to ride your bike for fun. Driven triathlete, right? Then time trial bike, triathlon bike, hands down is the investment you should make. Yeah. Um, but if if it's gonna be just a short term endeavor, you're only gonna do it for a year and then you wanna just ride with groups and just have fun with it and try to get in shape. Yeah, road that. bike is much more comfortable, enjoyable to ride. If you're gonna do group rides, that's something that I've always just talked about before. It's like Riding in a group with a TT bike is not safe, even up on the hoods. The handling and everything. And it's not fun. 
Yeah. You, you just have anxiety the whole time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And coming back, kind of going back a little bit, like when it comes to the training side of things, you know, outdoor riding, you know, if you're always doing group rides, this is a triathlete, yeah. like your time spent doing group rides is not applicable to triathlon at all. You're drafting, you're, you're, you're surging. Most cases you have sprints. Like it's just, it's yeah. a great way to get mileage. But at the same time, if you're looking, if you're, if you have limited time to train, doing it in a group ride setting isn't going to make you a better cyclist. Group for riding should not be your only form of biking. Yeah. 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 You're right. Because a lot of times those, those don't get me wrong. Like, I try and keep my my Saturdays where we can ride with people because yeah, it's yeah. fun. Like you're spending hours out there, so you might as well make it fun. Yep. But you do stop a lot. You're going at other people's paces. Like there's something to be said about picking two to three weekends in a summer where it's going to be your super long ride and you're going to do it alone. Yeah. Or you're going to do it with one other person of similar fitness. You're going to be on your TT bikes. You're not chatting the whole time and stopping every 10 miles. Yeah. Um, and so that brought up a question. I would kind of put you on the spot here, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. So if you, if you have the same two athletes, you know, like let's say middle of the line age group athletes, and they're both new to triathlon. One has a road bike, just like a nice road bike. One has a pretty nice tri bike and they're the same fitness level and they go do an Olympic triathlon. How much of an advantage, what percentage or however you want to quantify it is the person with the tri, with the tri bike versus the road bike? I mean, you're talking everything else yeah. is the same. How significant do you think that difference is? I think it hands down comes down to whether or not they were fitted properly. Are you like, yeah, because I you could be on you could be on the best tri bike, the best wheels, but if you're unable to put out power in the TT position, and you're then backward. you're on then you're on a road bike. Yeah. Then you're up on the hoods and yeah. you're riding a road bike. Yeah. So it you, if you're fitted really well on both, yeah. You're gonna gain a ton of speed and and with less effort um, on the tri bike. On the tri bike, yeah. Yep. I mean, I think you could even say like ten percent more for the same. Yeah, effort. I don't know if they. I mean, I think it just it's so different based on the fit and, and how arrow and how flexible you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's substantial, you know, and and um, you know, I think, you know, even you know, diversifying your, your bikes, like having a mountain bike as yeah. well, like doing, you know, just go buy more bikes when it, when it comes to like technical skills and just like, you know, getting your, your, your confidence and your, your handling and yeah, stuff. I agree. It's like um, what we talked about earlier. You can't gain yeah. the handling side of it. One other thing I want to add from a personal standpoint is like, I, I do have a road bike and a tri bike and I really enjoy both. I like, don't give me, I, a lot of times I always revert to wanting to just ride my road bike because it's more enjoyable. And I think I did that too much last summer and it was my downfall. Like what you talked about, I had a nice tri bike. I, I thought, I mean, it wasn't the fitment for me. It was my own problems. Um, but I just didn't do long enough rides in my tri bike in the position the whole time. So I felt like my neck was broken by mile 90 of the Ironman because, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't condition my body. So that's one more thing I would say is why it's worth getting out there on your tri bike yep. by yourself. Yeah. The key, the, like for, for our training and many coaches do the same thing. Like, you know, we have key sessions throughout the week and those key sessions when it comes to making it as race specific, you know, especially as you get closer to your A race, yeah. you know, doing them in the TT position, doing them outside, you know, 
you know, doing them on Same the trainer if you have you to. Same nutrition you have on a race. Yeah. Right? Like, try to reenact your nutrition. <clears throat> yeah, as you get, you know, specificity is key when it comes to getting closer to your race. Yeah. So, whatever that needs to be to make sure you're prepared for the demands of that specific race, yeah. um, you have to start implementing as you get, get into um, closer to that A race. Yeah, okay. And then, so last topic, I think it's worth us touching on quick, um, is just, is the, I mentioned it earlier, but best bike split. Um, it's such a cool tool that, you know, I think it's a really good thing to be able to use. Um, I, what's kind of your one minute spiel of what best bike split is and how you use it as a coach, would you say? Yeah, it's, um, I've started using it probably for the last couple of years. Um, and like we mentioned before, it gives you a great, some great reference points to use during your race yeah. in addition to using RPE, in, in addition to just being in, in tune with what your body is doing. Yeah. But what's really cool is you can input all of your bike um, in, bike, bike metrics. Yeah. So you can put your wheels, the type of frame, you know, what type of helmet you're using, what size, what's what width of wheels. Yeah, you can really get into the weeds. Yeah, and then you, of course, input your FTP and, and your weight so that it can calculate out, you know, your... Weather conditions. Yep, weather... Road con- conditions. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's incredible, you know. And then, like, you any course, I mean, any bike course, and if it doesn't exist, you can invent it, right? Like, you could go and do a make-your-own-race and plug the course in. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you can do any course using Best Bike Split. You can, if you have a Wednesday night time trial yeah. that you want to map out the course, you just go into like Map My Ride and you can upload the GPX file to, yeah. to Best Bike Split. Um, and then the, the, the real, the benefit of this is that you can create an actual power plan for you for the race, for that specific race. In those specific Which conditions. Which is what I mentioned earlier with Chattanooga. Yep. Where, yep. You know, and then you, if you want to, you can actually plug it into a Zwift or a training piece. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. On Best Bike Split, they allow you to uh, choose different metrics to, to guide your race plan. So you can use intensity factor. Um, you can you, you can use TSS or you could use overall goal time. Mm-hmm. And that again. That's what I did. Yeah. That calculates out your 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 plan of attack, um, and then it has you even can print off a little sheet that shows if you're on a flat section of road, if you're on a one percent incline, you know, or one to two, three to four, what power you should target um, to make to, to again to kind of achieve that that goal split uh, for the bike portion, which is which is again, it's a good reference point. It's not. It's not a foolproof proof plan, yeah. but but at the same time, it gives you some some guidance. Yeah, it gives you something to go off. Yeah, yeah. All right. So as always, we like to wrap up the podcast by a monthly quote. So this monthly's quote is from Albert Einstein: "Life is like a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving." Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next month. See you next month.